Welcome to the Life on Word podcast. I'm the host, Bailey Brown. Through this podcast, I hope you fall more in love with God's Word as it is properly understood. If you want to dig deeper into Scripture and see the big picture of God's story, you are in the right place. In these episodes, I want you to see how deep and wide Scripture is and what a joy it is to study God's Word. Life on Word exists to encourage you to build all of your life on the Word of God because it is the only worthy foundation. For more resources relating to studying the Bible, theology, and discipleship, check out baileylbrown.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Life on Word podcast. Today we are finishing our study of Matthew chapter 26. In the last episode, we read of Jesus' time in Gethsemane, praying to the Father about what he would soon endure, and then of his arrest as Judas and many armed men came to him in Gethsemane in the night. In this episode, we'll be reading of Jesus' trial before the Jews and Peter's denial of Jesus. I'm going to read starting in verse 57 and go through the end of the chapter. With that, let's get started. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard this blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. 
So we stopped in the last episode just after Judas and his men arrested Jesus in Gethsemane and all the disciples fled. We pick up today with Matthew recording that Judas and the men led Jesus to Caiaphas, the high priest of the Jews. Looking at Luke's account, they likely took Jesus to Caiaphas' own home to meet him there. Matthew also tells us that the scribes and elders had already gathered together there too, but it was likely not the whole Sanhedrin. It seems that the group had quickly gotten together to interrogate Jesus, determine he was guilty, and then build a case they could present to the Romans to show that he was deserving of death. For some background context, remember that the Jews were ruled over by the Romans. The Jews got to have some judicial freedom in their own legal matters, but more serious issues had to go before the Romans. For example, only the Romans could issue the death penalty. The Romans also had the ability to step in and take over any case whenever they saw fit. Therefore, the religious leaders had to make a good case to the Romans that Jesus had broken Roman law and deserved death. Also, remember from a previous episode that the high priest of the Jews was appointed by the Romans, so the office of high priest was extremely political in nature. At this time, Caiaphas, the high priest, knew how to play his cards to ensure he got what he wanted. He knew exactly what to tell the Romans so that they would kill Jesus. And for one final point on the context, as we read of Jesus' trial, you may be thinking how strange it is for the trial to take place at night in the home of the chief priest instead of in the temple courts. While we can't know for sure how trials always proceeded in this time, it does seem fishy that Jesus' trial was conducted in this way. Likely, the high priest and other leaders gathered as quickly as they could, putting aside the normal customs because they wanted to ensure that Jesus was killed as soon as possible. Now, looking back at the text, Matthew tells us that Peter followed the men that had arrested Jesus at a distance, going all the way to the courtyard of the high priest and then going inside to sit with the guards. John records in his gospel that another disciple, likely himself, also went with Peter. In verse 59, Matthew records that the chief priest and the whole council were seeking false testimonies against Jesus so that they could put him to death. The whole council refers to the Sanhedrin, which was a mix of Sadducees and Pharisees that had taken on a role of leadership. There were many false witnesses that came forward to accuse Jesus of things, but the witnesses were not consistent in their stories, until finally two witnesses came forward that claimed Jesus had said he would destroy the temple and then rebuild it in three days. While John recorded in his gospel that Jesus said, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days, the witnesses distorted Jesus' words so that the high priest could use the statement to fit his agenda. Think back to a few days earlier when Jesus cleansed the temple. This was an obvious act of judgment against the religious leaders for their poor leadership over God's people. You can imagine how furious the chief priest must be at Jesus for acting with such authority in the temple. Not only had he disrupted the corrupt flow of money coming into the temple, but he also went on to teach and heal people in the temple. And this is what it all boils down to. Caiaphas knew that Jesus was claiming to have authority over the temple. 
He knew that Jesus was telling the world that God was acting in a new way and that Jesus was bringing healing and even forgiveness of sins wherever he went. Caiaphas knew that Jesus had gained a substantial following and was a major threat to his own power. You see, it was the high priest that was supposed to have ultimate authority over the temple, that was supposed to be God's anointed one chosen to steward the people of God. Remember, Messiah literally means anointed one. So you can clearly see why Caiaphas would have wanted to get rid of Jesus as fast as he could. After the witnesses made their claims that Jesus had threatened to destroy the temple, Caiaphas asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? Yet Jesus does not respond, bringing to mind the words of Isaiah talking about the suffering servant, saying, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Found in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7. As we go through this chapter and the next, you'll see that Jesus often remained silent before his accusers. Caiaphas then continues, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Remember the significance of this title. Son of God was basically synonymous with Messiah. Caiaphas is wanting Jesus to say that he believes himself to be the Messiah from the line of David, the anointed Son of God who will rule his people. If Caiaphas can get Jesus to make this claim, he can hand Jesus over to the Romans with charges of insurrection. If the Romans believe that Jesus is trying to start a rebellion, they will snuff him out quickly. Jesus does respond here, saying, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. This is a big statement. First, Jesus does not explicitly say that he is the Messiah. He merely pushes it back on Caiaphas as if to say, it is as you say, or you're the one that said it. He then references Daniel 7 verses 13 and 14, applying the title of Son of Man to himself, just as he has when talking to his disciples. I'll go ahead and read this passage so you can see exactly what Jesus is claiming about himself. Daniel writes, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." Being an expert in the Old Testament, Caiaphas would have immediately recognized the implications of Jesus' statement. He is claiming here to be equal with God himself. He is telling them that when they see him next, Jesus will be ruling as the everlasting king of the world. Caiaphas the high priest tore his robes and then said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? Caiaphas and his men are charging Jesus with blasphemy, not because he was saying things against the name of God, but because he was claiming divine status as if he is equal with God. 
Blasphemy, though, in the eyes of the Romans, is not a crime that deserves death. So the Jewish religious leaders will spin the story to make Jesus out to be a messianic pretender who is trying to overthrow the Roman government. The men answered Caiaphas by saying that Jesus deserved death, and then began to hurt Jesus by hitting and slapping him, spitting in his face, and saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? In verse 69, Matthew switches to giving the accounts of Peter's denials of Jesus. The first time, he is sitting in the courtyard of Caiaphas's house when a servant girl comes to him and says that she knows Peter was with Jesus the Galilean. Peter simply denied it by saying, I do not know what you mean. Later, Peter overheard another servant girl tell a group, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. This time, Peter's denial is a little bit more adamant. He makes an oath that he really does not know this man, Jesus. Finally, later in the night, someone else from the group comes up to Peter and says, Certainly, you two are one of them, for your accent betrays you. In this third and final denial, Peter responds by swearing again, promising that he was not with Jesus and calling down curses on himself if he happens to be lying. Immediately after that, Peter hears the rooster and Jesus' words come back to him. He leaves Caiaphas' house and begins to weep bitterly, recognizing the error in his ways. The account of Peter's denial of Jesus occurs in all four Gospels, which shows us both the humility and commitment to accuracy that the Gospel writers each had. Who would include this story about the very man who would play a huge role in starting the church if it simply wasn't true? Okay, we've made it to the end of chapter 26, so now let's discuss how we can apply this passage. Today's passage was pretty heavy as we read of Jesus' unfair trial, the way that Caiaphas and his men treated Jesus, and how Peter denied Jesus. But we also read of the powerful moment where Jesus claims to be the divine Son of Man that the prophet Daniel had foretold about. In the last episode, I talked about the humanity of Jesus and how we can take comfort in the fact that Jesus experienced the brokenness of being a human in a sinful world, just like we do, other than being without sin. We saw another example of this in today's passage as Jesus' trial was unjustly conducted and the religious leaders twisted his words to fit their agenda of killing him. Jesus knows what it is to be misunderstood, to be treated unfairly, to be abused and mocked. He felt these things and yet he remained silent until he was asked a question he could not ignore. His answer should give us hope. He set things straight by telling Caiaphas that he would indeed be the one to rule the whole world and righteously judge the whole world. Take heart today that the Jesus you serve not only endured unspeakably painful circumstances in order to save you and invite you into the kingdom, but that he also is the righteous judge who will one day make all things right. He is the true king of the world. You may be caught up in our culture and world today, but make no mistake, when Jesus returns, there will not be a single person who does not recognize the authority and power of Jesus. 
Today we finished our study of Matthew chapter 26. We read of Jesus going on trial before the Jews, being accused of blasphemy against God. We also read of Peter's denial of Jesus and how he reacted when he realized Jesus' words had reached fulfillment. In the next episode, we will read of Jesus being delivered over to Pilate and of Judas' death. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review so that Life on Word can reach new people. Check out the episode description to see the source materials I studied for this episode. Until next time.